Welcome back to another episode on Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. And in today's expert series, we have Dr. Jeff Williamson. He's the founder of CMG Group Incorporated, an executive coaching and people development practice. Prior to launching CMG in 2017, he was a dean, executive director, and professor of organizational leadership, serving in higher education for over 30 years. In 2021, he released his very first book, The Power Power of one, 168 or 168? 168, yeah. Mm. Power of 168, Shaping Moments. He holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in speech communication and a doctor of education degree in educational leadership. He completed certification at the Indiana University, Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and Fundraising Management and was a postdoctoral student at the Ohio State University. Fisher College of Business. So he's also a Gallup certified strengths coach. go on and on with those achievements. I probably need to cut that down. That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you've come so incredibly far and you have, you have deserved every single one of those. So I just appreciate you. And I'm thrilled to talk to you today. Thank Thank you for being here. Likewise. Oh, my pleasure's on mine, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Wow. Well, beautiful. And so I would love to just kick this thing off. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for you to be aligned with your purpose? Yeah, you know, for me, it's having clarity on who I am, what I was put on this earth for, and then spending the most of my time possible bringing that to other people, Uh, not trying to be somebody else, not being an imitation, but being the best Jeff I can possibly be, because I'm convinced that's what the world needs is all of us to just, you know grow and be better and show up for who we are in the best way possible. So that's, that's where it all starts for me. Mm, That's so powerful. And honestly, I feel so often people strive to be someone else. Could Mm. you imagine a world where everybody just owned who they were? Seriously? Oh gosh. Yeah. There's so many gifts that we don't get to see because we make the mistake of thinking I need to be like her or him or somebody else when I've just come to that belief that I mentioned a second ago, the best thing we can do is show up in the world for who we are and bring all the gifts, talents, strengths, flaws, humanity, you know, it's all part of the bundle, but man, we don't need imitators. We just don't, we need people to really show up for who they are and be comfortable in their own skin. That's, that's a goal for me. Help people do that. That's so powerful. And so (laughs) I would love to drop into your story. I mean, I know you've done Mm -hmm. so much in the leadership space. What does that look like for you? Well, it's shifted, you know, at times over the years in different roles. Uh, Sometimes it was administrative. Sometimes it was directly in the classroom for seven, eight years teaching grad programs. And then more recent years, it's been more focused on individual executive coaching on, you know, training development, people development with companies and nonprofits. And so, you know, when, anytime I'm in an environment where I have an opportunity to share some information that's going to help people get better and grow and feel better about themselves in the process, man, I go home a happy guy. So that's, that's at the heart, you know, what, however it's delivered, that's really at the heart of it for me. Mm, that's so powerful. And 
Have you always felt this call inside of you or where was that turning moment for you where you really (laughs) stepped into this role? You know, it's funny how we think, oh, I've been thinking about something for a few years and I was looking back to some notes I took at a conference where we were kind of doing some, you know, visioning and where would you like to be and what's your dream scenario? And I would have said, oh, probably seven, eight years ago, I started thinking more seriously about doing coaching and professional training. And I thought, you know what, it seems like it's been longer than that. And I, I look back in an old journal and it's more like 14, 15 years ago, I was sitting there saying, at some point, I'd like to do consulting and training and people development and just really have that freedom to, to invest in people that way and be, you know, be on my own more so because I spent a lot of years in organizations. And I when I saw that, I'm like, gosh, that's been on my heart longer than I even remembered. And so, you know, now here I am doing the stuff I wrote down too long ago. It took me too long to progress to it. But I guess we arrive where we're supposed to be at the right times. At least I feel that way with with my work and coaching and that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely feel Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that's where I feel the power of the coaching industry comes into play. It's like, if you've got something on your heart, all mm-hmm. it might take like for you is a con- was a convention, right? It's like mm-hmm. someone just to ask you the right questions and get your mindset mm-hmm. in a place where you're yep. ready. So that's yeah, huge. All yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. So you went to this conference, you decided, mm-hmm. all right, <laughs> there's no more looking back six years from now on this <laughs> journal entry, like we're going to hit yeah. the gas. What did that yeah. look like? Well, you know, it, it was one of those things I, I wish I say, I wish I could say I had this beautiful master plan and I executed flawlessly, but it's just not true. You know, sometimes I feel like I back into some of the coolest things that I get to do. But, you know, for me, it was really realizing uh, as I would do some training, some coaching, because people would ask me to. I wasn't actively promoting it. I wasn't actively saying, hey, here's some stuff I do, you know, and really t- approaching it as a business model. And so, but I, in spite of that, I kept getting more and more and more and more opportunities to go speak on whether it was strengths or communication, whatever. And I got, you know, at some point I went, gosh, I've been thinking about this for the longest time and I'm having more opportunities to do this. What if I actually got my stuff together and incorporated, started being intentional. I wonder what that would look like. And so that was the step five years ago, because I knew myself that if I take the time and the resources to incorporate and create a thing, I won't just let it sit there, right? I will then take the next step and start building it out. And so that was when I really started being more intentional to tell the story and, you know, on social media, on conversations to say, hey, here's some more things that I do and I'd like to do more of. And it just started to populate more and frequently to where, you know, somebody would say, hey, I gave your name to somebody. And they're going to call you Monday because they may want to work with you. And I'm like, great. You know, <laughs> it's funny what happens when you just start telling your story and inviting people into it to say, here's something I love. And if that's a value to you, I'd love to talk with you about it. You know, and it's kind of unfolded that way. That's, be- that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it has been. That's the first step, right? It's just getting Mm -hmm. that courage to speak up and start sharing what you're doing and sharing your strengths. So Mm -hmm. if someone's listening to this and they're not really sure, they're like, okay, had this idea land, but I'm not sure what my strengths look like. It seems like you've, you did an incredible job of just starting to speak about, okay, here's what I do. But if they're not really sure what that is, how would they go about figuring that out? 
Well, you know, I'm uh, shamelessly a Gallup Strengths guy, so I'll say that. So, you know, I'm, I really think that's a good place to start to say, what are the best things about you? What are the things that you're passionate about that just come so naturally to you that you cannot not do them? And, and then by identifying those things and like, okay, how can you connect those to the needs that people have around you? How can you connect that to, um, you know, to an executive who says, I have nobody to talk to about these things. I'm so glad that we're working together because I've never been able to do this and I've had those kind of experiences. And so, it, you know, for me, I often use the metaphor when I was a little 10 year old boy at the community pool that had the big high dive and I was scared to death and I was so excited and scared to death at the same time. And I climbed up there and then you get up to the top and it's like, it's your turn, go bro. And you're like, I can't back down and go down the ladder. That would be like shameville, you know? So we, we muster our courage and we just go off the high dive. And then it was, it was so fun. I, you know, like most kids, I ran to get back in line at times. It's kind of like that. I'll say to folks, you know, and when you've got the gifts you have and a, a dream about doing something, you just got to go with the high dive because it's going to be okay. You got to bet on yourself because, man, I, I had so much fun as a kid going out the high dive, but I was a chicken. I was afraid of it first. But man, once I did, I just kind of set myself free. And, I, and that plays out in other areas of life. You know, we really kind of have to get out on the high wire sometimes to go, I think maybe I belong out here. This is, this is actually fun. This is exciting. <laughs> so you got to bet on yourself and take some chances for sure. Mm. Yeah. And I think it all starts with like feeling the call. Okay. So you're at the pool, mm. you see everybody mm. going up there. You're like, mm, that mm. kind of looks fun. Following that, allowing mm. yourself to go up the ladder, even if it's right. scary and then just freaking right. jumping off because that is yeah. where the magic happens. It is. Oof, There's so many that. people that hold back and they just, walk over to the low board and go, well, I'm swimming. I'm in the pool. It's still fun. I'm like, yeah, but there's so much more for you. If you just go off the high dive, you know? and there's other bad, probably better metaphors for that. But, but that's the one that has always resonated with me is just, and that goes back to take a chance on yourself. You're probably better than you realize. And, and we just let, you know, we just let imposter syndrome and negative self-talk push us back or pull us back where it's like, no, we've, we've all probably got more to offer than we ever realize. And so it's worth the risk, you know, because the joys that come with that, once we, we do take a leap and, and uh, offer who we are, what we have to the world, you know, there's going to be some people that go, man, you're just what I've been looking for. Mm -hmm. And what an opportunity to serve people like that, to say, I can't believe how much I've grown these last three months or whatever. And then know that I got to be a part of that. And then everything they do that follows that, you know, I'm watching them on LinkedIn, watching what they do. And I'm like, yeah, go, man. And just to get to be a little part of that is so exciting to me. Mm, that's so huge. And you touched <laughs> on this for a, mm -hmm. for a second. This was actually my mm -hmm. next question was like, okay, what holds people back from doing that? You know, you started to mention mm -hmm. like imposter syndrome. Sometimes. Does it also circle back to like, not feeling like they can be their own person. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think fear of failure is always there for us. We, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to try something. And, and I think too much, our culture's created failure as it's fatal. It's like, well, gosh, you know, if you, if you launched a business that didn't work, what did you learn from that? 
What, what would you do differently the next time? Maybe it's a great idea and you just didn't execute it as well. But, you know, it, there's history has all kinds of examples of people who who face planted more than once and, and dusted off and said, I still believe in this idea. I still believe in myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep trying. And then they they get that breakthrough where they realize all I need to do is be the best me that the world has ever seen. You know, I don't need to be an imitation. I just need to be me at my best and helping people get to their best. That's the, that's the joy for me. Mm. And do you feel that's what a lot of your clients come to you for? It's like, all right, I want to be really confident in who I am so I can show up as the best leader. Is that where they start or what do most people come to you for? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's that, uh, that I, you know, they'll say, I, I think I know where I want to go, but I'm not sure how to get there. And so they, you know, they want some, some guidance and kind of a, a, a shotgun rider to come along with them and say, no, you're doing great. This it, good step. This is the next thing. So sometimes it's that, um, that people just aren't sure that the, the map ahead, but at the same time, sometimes it's just like, um, you know, it's sometimes just a confidence problem. They have a great idea. They have all kinds of skills. And I will sometimes say to them, man, I wish you could see you like I see you, especially if it's been someone that I've known for a while, you know, that maybe they've been a university student and I had them in class. And, you know, I've thought for three, four years during their college career, holy smoke, she's brilliant. She's going to be big deal. She's big deal. You know, he's going to run a company or he's going to really change the world for good. And they don't yet see that because I got I can look back with decades of observation of people making a difference. And they're thinking, oh, it's just I just got this little idea. And I'm like, that is fantastic. You need to do that if that's what you really want. So, you know, sometimes I just get to hold up a mirror to people and say, let me let me show you what I see here. And and sometimes just someone that they know that they have trust in saying, oh, you can really do this. You really can. You can really be successful at this. I'm telling you with all my heart, I believe you can be successful at that. And then when they go do it, man, that's just a rocket ride for me. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. It's all, yeah, it's like you said it beautifully when you're talking about just showing them the mirror, you're holding it up for them. Like, hey, look, look at how many incredible things you're doing. I, I love that so much. And when we're talking about strengths, how do you work with these clients to build up more of a strengths-based organization, really utilizing that? Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's a great question. I love doing that for starters. Often what will happen is that a senior leader or the CEO will work with me and I have everybody take the assessment, of course, because I want them to be able to identify their top strengths and then to really kind of own those and 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 accept who they are and the best things about them. And what will often happen is someone saying, hey, I want you now, I want you to do this for my leadership team. Hey, I think we want to do this for all of our employees. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, could I? <laughs> because I love doing that. It, it, it is uh, sometimes the way that it plays out. And so, you know, when when a leadership person or a leadership team gets it, that their people are better off focusing on the things they do best and, and the differences allow people to excel in different areas. And then you start building teams and organizations to say, you know what? 
Jeff isn't great at that, but Jamie, holy smokes, that's her sweet spot. We, we need her help with that. And then we start building teams and departments and organizations that way. Yes, we have to address uh, you know, weaknesses and shortcomings, but we use those strengths really as tools to, to work around those or to leverage those, I often say. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you get it built into levels of an organization, when people start learning a common language of strengths, to say, oh, Jamie, I see your, I see your empathy, I see your uh, strategic planning strengths, whatever it might be, and then to pull those into a process, pull those into a business plan, pull those into whatever needs to be done. Because when people are doing the things they do best, they love that. I mean, passion and strengths always go together. You know, things that we love to do that we're good at doing. I mean, how many people say, I don't like this? <laughs> no, it's like when we're able to do the things we do best, it's exhilarating to feel like I'm thriving. And that's at the heart of strengths is helping people thrive in whatever role they have in that organization. Mm. So it's it's a joy. Yes, I love that so much. And it's like, if you look at a strength, a lot of times that's found when they're actively aligned with their purpose or pursuing it. So it's almost Absolutely. like- Within organizations, you're looking to help everybody step into their purpose, their role. That's mm-hmm. going to really help them reach that next level. I mean, the whole right. the whole organization just levels up. It's beautiful. Right. Exactly. And sometimes a person may be in a role that they're just sort of okay with, but they look at their strengths. And if it's an organization that's placing value in that, they can say, you know, I've been thinking about your top strengths. And I think maybe we've got a better place for you in the company that will even fit better. You know, because if someone's very strong in analytical or uh, strategies and those kind of things, if they're in a job that doesn't tap into that as much, they might be like, yeah, so-so, you know, it's okay. But if you put them in a role that taps into their top strengths and maybe they are a data analyst instead of something else that didn't fit as well, then they start thriving. And when they're thriving, they are a different, I mean, we're different when we're, when we're thriving and doing things that we love and that we have confidence we're good at. That's part of it too. And so when, when you can put people in the right places or maybe adjust their role to fit their strengths, then, then the sky's the limit. Oh, that's beautiful. So how do you go about like leading this type of change? Like, how do you get the whole organization on board to this? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like peeling the onion. It, it mm-hmm. often starts with a layer at a time, you know, uh, either someone who, like one of my clients who I've worked with the last couple of years, it started out with that person saying, hey, I heard you're doing executive coaching. I think I, I think I need to talk to you. And then in the process that we did strengths and he said, wow, I want I want my whole team to do this. So then we had like 60 people taking the assessment and doing an offsite and those kind of things. So like a lot of things, it really helps when there's buy-in from a senior leader or even the CEO, because then they're like, Hey, I see the value of this and I want to invest in my people. I've had multiple clients who've said that. It's like, I just want to help my people grow. And I think if I'm focusing on their strengths, that'll help them deal with the areas they're not as good at because they're more equipped they're more empowered to say, hey, I, I'm not great at this, but you know what? I know which strength I can call on to work through that and still be successful. And so when they start getting it and they start seeing people 
doing things differently and doing things better, then the buy-in starts to go in waves. And the best thing ever is, you know, when I do a follow-up, maybe I go get in contact uh, six months or a year later and say, hey, tell me what you're doing now with strengths. And they're like, oh, we have strengths huddles. And oh man, we, we, we built it into our monthly, uh, our monthly meetings. We do a strengths moment at a monthly meeting and different people will talk about one of their strengths and how they do their work with it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's taken root. And that's the key uh, uh, of really having that help in an organization is, is when I'm able to do those kinds of things and not have it just be a one and done, right. Where we come in and go, yeah, I got that three ring binder and I'll put it right there. And, and if you never come back to it, it just becomes like an instrument that you don't tune, you know, you pick up a guitar six months later, it's way out of tune, right? You got to keep it sharp. You got to keep it on pitch. And, and I think learning is that way too. We got to, we got to keep it sharp. Mm, yeah. I love that. It's like a full integration. And mm. I love how it's like peeling back a layer, getting to like the center, like allowing it to create and plant roots in the organization. Mm. That's just absolutely yeah. incredible. Mm. And I would love to talk about leadership paradigms. Like what have you mm. experienced throughout the years here? Mm-hmm. What have yeah, you learned from yeah. that? Sure. Well, there's lots of them for starters. <laughs> you about leadership paradigms, you go back over time, uh, you know, decades ago, command and control was just kind of the, the norms. Like, look, I'm in charge and you do what I tell you and everything will be fine. Like, oh, okay. That's deflating, right? <laughs> We've learned that <laughs> and a whole lot more. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, as we progress, and I think we better understand people and better understand the psychology of work and motivation and those kinds of things. I think we've, we've come up with maybe some better paradigms of leadership and work. You know, there's, uh, you know, Greenleaf servant leadership where rather than I'm at the top of the pyramid and you all serve me, it's rather I'm, I'm the leader of the orchestra and I need to facilitate and help you have what you need to be successful and then to bring it all together, but not to, to just, you know, mandate everything in a high control kind of micromanager environment. So I love servant leadership. I love also that, um, you know, across the years, there's just been more leadership models that allow for input from the people who really do most of the work, right? So whether it's, you know, teams or group huddles in manufacturing, but there's communication there, there's a value shown to the person who's doing that service or creating that product because they live with it and they know when something's off. And so if I'm smart enough as a leader to listen to that, to pay attention and to honor their expertise and their experience, then I build trust with them. And they think, okay, Jeff's not just here to nitpick and tear down, but he's really learning with me. And we're trying to do this thing better than anybody in the world. And so when we have that kind of shoulder to shoulder learning and and doing what we do, you know, I think those are better paradigms. Obviously strengths is is a whole uh, cultural approach, but, but there's many good ways out there to engage people. And at the heart of it is communication. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, it's amazing to me, you know, I've been in education and training and teaching for for 30 years. And I still have people reach out to me to say, we need help with communication. We just can't get it right. You know, I'm like, I think this is part of the human condition, you know, 
as much as we work at it, we just don't get it right all the time. And so we have to kind of, as I use them, we're going to have to tune the guitar up and come back together and say, remember, facial expressions, nonverbals, tone of voice, you know, volume, those things all matter as to how people perceive us. And so sometimes we have to really go back to the basics. You know, we forget just human decency and kindness and compassion and empathy and those kind of things that we didn't used to hear much about that, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It was like, here's your job, suck it up, get it done. No questions, right? This is not a happy world to work in. So I love that some of the things I've been able to experience over the years helps to kind of change that to a more human workplace, really. Oh, that's so powerful. And it sounds like that's just the type of leaders you've been working with. They're looking to serve those who are within the organization because, you know, going back to that paradigm, it's like if they were all about, I'm the leader, I'm in charge, they would just want to make themselves better, not help those rise up with them, but the rising tide rises all boats, right? So it's like, they fully understand that if not before working with you, definitely after that's. I sure hope so. Right. Uh, I think back many years now, my first director's job and I had, um, I had three staff members or five staff members, but three that they were, it was an admissions role, recruiting student recruiting in, in a university. And um, one of the simplest things that I started doing back then that I think is still good practice is when I was doing monthlies with them. Now we'd probably say it would be two weeks or even a weekly. But anyway, we, we, I would set out one on one monthly and I would say to them, what's going well? What's not going so well? And how can I help you? And, and then we listen, right? And they'd say, well, I really feel good about this. And I'm, that was a big win. And like, out of girl, I have a way to go, you know, just keep doing it. That's great. What's not going so well? Well, this kind of, this kind of got off the rails. Like, Hmm, what do you think would help? Is there a resource you need or a tool that you need, or you need some, and they tell me and I go, well, you know what? I think I could, I could, I could help with that. I could get you that resource or I can, or, Oh, I know how to do that. I can, I can train you on that. And those three simple questions just opened up these months. And it wasn't like, this is your monthly performance appraisal. Yeah, right? Yeah. It was like, this was, let's connect and let's find out how you're really doing. And if I can help you, please tell me that. And so I think that that from the beginning, I just felt like that that's the way people respond better. You know, it's like I'm on their team rather than I'm, you know, the critic throwing, you know, tomatoes from the balcony or something. Uh, and, and so if nothing else, I think my people that were on my teams knew I was for them. And sometimes so if you can just start there, that's, that's such a such a change of pace. Oh, that's no, it's huge. And especially just they're working in it. They're in the trenches doing it. So mm-hmm. for an outsider to come in and be upset with that, it's just completely off base, but the leader of the organization, it's their role to put the right people in place and make moves if needed. So that's, that's awesome that you did that. And I'm sure you work with your clients on putting that system into place too. Ugh, you know, if we just ask good questions and listen to people around us. It's amazing what we can figure out, right? When people say, what does it take to be a good coach? I'm like, well, you need to be able to listen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Number one. Number two, you need to ask good questions and then go back to listening and zip it. You know, ask good questions and let them talk. You know, and take notes, pay attention to what they're saying. Right. For sure. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. 
And so prior to this, you had mentioned something about a coffee tour. What are <laughs> yeah. you working on now after yeah. all, all this history? Yeah. Let's let's see what yeah. you got today. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that has been super fun. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of, of cool things. They just start out as a little idea or somebody makes a, a side comment. You're like, huh, well, maybe I'll do that. Right. So, you know, we've all lived through the COVID reality for two plus years. And it was during that time where we were, things were not good, but calming down somewhere we could at least like go meet a friend for a cup of coffee if we didn't you know, sit too close and all that. And, um, it started a conversation at a, at a local cafe. That's my favorite place. I was there with a couple of friends. Really, we were like, I had asked them in to say, hey, you know, what do I need to be thinking about? I'm I want to grow this business when we come out of this and whatever. And so uh, we just had such a rich conversation that it got me thinking people need to have these kind of conversations in their lives for starters. But then I thought, you know, these are happening in all kinds of different places and they're not all the same, but they can, they can just help us connect and rediscover community and, and a place of belonging. And so me being me, Maximizer is my number one. So I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to do a coffee tour, I'm not just going to do three or four around my community, you know, a half hour away. I had some some time to to take some time and get out on the road. And so I literally uh, I put a shout out on LinkedIn and said, hey, LinkedIn friends, uh, where do you go for your favorite one of a kind local place when you want to get a coffee? You just want to settle down and work a little bit or get away from work, whatever it is. Where do you go? And I just started getting places from sea to shining sea. And so I started a spreadsheet and kept a list and started, you know, websites and where these places are and who referred them and all this case. So I had this huge list of, of, of coffee shops all over the country. Now, I unfortunately haven't been to all of them yet, but I have been to 45 different cafes in 10 states since last July. <laughs> and it was a ball. Here. I'm serious. And, and so I just, I just scaled it. Right. I'm like, look, I want to go, like I have friends all over the place. So I started thinking about, okay, well, I have several friends in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I've heard there's a ton of great places. So I went to like six places in Fort Wayne, Indiana and, and checked in with some friends and did some business, you know, and, uh, and then I just started mapping it out. I went back to that list that people had answered on social media and started making a list and just kind of planned this route, you know, over the coming year. And so as I was sketching that out and it was starting to get some momentum, somebody said, Hey, that would be a pretty cool book. And I'm like, yeah, I think I will. So I, that's been a part of it. So it's like that experience was really like July through November of going to all these places and all these different States interviewing the owners, seeing the places, finding out how they're unique and different and wonderful. And um, so that's where the current count is at 45. Um, but my, I'm now at the point where I'm, I'm going back and interviewing some of the owners and doing Zooms and, and doing some added research for it. But the intention is that it will, um, it really is the context for a book on rediscovering community connection and belonging. Mm. 
because that's what we often see and find in these places, you know, around the corner. And I think that's something we all long for and maybe missed out quite a bit during the last couple of years when to be safe, we had to kind of steer clear some of that. So it was kind of a, a personal coming out party to, to get to celebrate just being able to travel and go to these places and then see all these wonderful spots, you know, brothers, friends, husbands and wives, families saying, you know what, we've always wanted to have a coffee shop and we did it. And then to watch them be successful has been super fun. So believe it or not, that's the short version of the coffee tour, but that's, that's how it all got rolling. (laughs) Wow. See, and that's what I love about leaders and entrepreneurs. You've got an idea and it doesn't just get hung up on the shelf. You just go out and do it and look at what has unfolded. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. The whole book's coming out. Yeah, we we missed the experience, you know, right? I mean, Mm. that's where it started for me was, okay, I'm going to do a coffee tour, but where are my people, right? I mean, I I mentioned Fort Wayne. I had former students in grad school at University of Missouri and a college buddy in Benville, Arkansas. And I just started reaching in contact and said, hey, I'm going to be traveling some. Would you be free on this day or that day? I think I'm going to be coming through. And what are some good places? And it was this joy tour, really, you know. So uh, I renewed some friendships uh, from all over the place, uh, made a lot of new friends. And, uh, and then I'll get to, to highlight some of the best places in the context of talking about community connection and belonging. We all need that. Now, I'm curious, did you do this mm-hmm. in like an RV? Was it one big long <laughs> trip or was it just like? Right. It was several uh, segmented trips, you know, for example, um, the what I call the I-70 part of the tour. You know, I'm south of Chicago, so I, I take off and I hit some places in southern Illinois and then I hit some places in Missouri and then I stop for the night at Lake of the Ozarks. There's this awesome place, one of a kind, beautiful place there at Lake of the Ozarks. So I kind of mixed in a little vibe of, you know, just a vacay, stay on the lakefront. And I got up the next day and then I drove to some more and wound up in Arkansas, spent a few days and then just kind of, you know, rinse and repeat my way back home, but follow a different route. So uh, I intentionally did it at a pace that where I didn't have to over rush to get to the next town. You know, I left some margin because I think that's good in life too. And so, yeah, to sit down with a former student who's finishing, you know, grad school at Missouri and hear about her life and and uh, all the great things that were in front of her, you know, I'm like, this is this is joy for me. Right. So I just kind of created my uh, coffee tour across the middle section of America and, uh, you know, stayed in touch with some of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds so exciting. So thank you. <laughs> I'm so fun. glad that we brought lie. that in because I was so curious. I'm like, I won't lie, man. Out? It was so it's the some of the most fun I've had in the last year. Really oh. fun. I may do another one sometime. <laughs> Book two. Right? Wow. And so to to those who are listening right now, I'm sure they're like so intrigued by your story, are gonna want to get their hands on this book. Where can we find you? Well, um, in terms of just my um, my general social media, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Just search Dr. Jeff Williamson. You'll find me there. 
Um, that's my primary um, home, if you will. Um, but my, my company website is www.coachmentorguide.com. And, um, and so you can, you can learn more about my, my crazy world and fun stuff that I, that I try to work in um, there as well. Um, so those are a couple easy places to, to check what I'm doing. Power 168 is on Amazon. So if somebody's like, what's this goofy little book about? You know, it's, it's about the fact that we all have 168 hours every week, no matter who we are. And the power is yours to determine what you do with your 168. And then that's how we shape moments. So it's just a little quick, thin, easy read book. It's just been so much fun to have people say, oh my gosh, I got a copy of this for my team or my company. And, and you know, we've used it for discussion about what really matters in life, you know, because that's really what the heart of it for me. So that's available on Amazon. The other one, uh, I'm in the middle of, 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 of writing it. So it's going to be a while on that. So I may have to come back in a, in a few months and tell you where you can find that. Right now, it's trapped in my computer and my brain and the, and the flip charts that are on the wall here, if you could see what's behind me. So it's in the stages of becoming, but uh, it, it's, uh, I'm hoping I can finish it by the end of the year and maybe have it out early 2023. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. And do you feel called right now to share anything else that's on your heart right now for the listener? I would just want people to believe in themselves and bet on themselves. I think so many times we second guess. And if we just, like I said earlier in the call, just go off the high dive. There's water in the pool and it's going to be okay. But, you know, bet on yourself, believe in yourself and uh and just stay the course on that you'll figure it out i really believe that so beautiful thank you so much for just coming and sharing all this value with us i know i sure received it so thank you thank you i love i love good conversation about things that matter Mm -hmm.